everybody to the Remarkable You podcast. This is John Zanzarella alongside Chris Desi. And how do you know good afternoon? It's afternoon for us, but somebody might be listening to this crack of dawn. Well, in might that case... It might be 5 a.m., they might be working out. In that case, we'll consider a preemptive good afternoon for later in the day, or... Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, if I don't see you. Right? Yeah. Was it Truman? We could Truman Show? do one of those as well. Chris is uh, particularly happy today because it's a big day for you. It's a good day. What's going on today? It's a good day. Published two books. Not one, but two books. First one, Remarkable You, um, Build a Personal Brand, Take Charge of Your Career. Uh, That one has been about a year in the making. And the other one, Just Like You, 24 Interviews of Ordinary People Who Have Achieved Extraordinary Success. And that was born about five or six months ago from... Uh, interviews that I did on my blog of really interesting, successful people. And the cool part about that is that the 24th interview is an art, an interview that was conducted by my friend Jeff Perlman of my father. So um, dad passed away in February, but I got dad included in the book, which is pretty cool. So today is a very, very, very good day. Very good day. What I think is cool is that not only did Chris decide to publish one book, he decided to publish two books on the same day. And even cooler is today happens to be his older Mark brother's Desi, birthday. Mark Desi's birthday. He's much older than I am. I won't divulge his age. Uh, but yeah. And the odd thing is my first book was published on my birthday. So I, have, I guess I have a thing with birthdays. Well, what, now you don't have any other siblings. So when no. is the next book going to be published? I don't know. Probably Maybe like, one of your daughters. Yeah, but, probably. Yeah. yeah. Talia's birthday is April 14th. So, you know. And, but uh, what, a, what a kick in the shin from a younger brother publishing not one but two books. On the birthday of his older brother. Being like, nope, sorry, pay attention to me. It's like the longest payback ever for years of noogies (laughs) and wedgies and whatever else you had to endure. Valid. But uh, but today what we're going to talk about is along the lines of of personal branding and Remarkable You, it's just a little bit more of a deep dive on way that you can, what we usually talk about, insulate yourself from being fired, grow your career, grow your revenue, and, and really take yourself to the position that you want to be in. And, and that's through something that we're big fans of, which is public speaking. Now, what I like to tell people is, you know, we had a few people reach out to us and say, well, I do a lot of public speaking, but it doesn't grow my bank account. Now, when people hear public speaking, they have a certain perception. It's mm-hmm. Chris on stage at the Westchester Digital Summit addressing 300 people, or it's you know, a different Jeffrey Hazlett, you know, addressing 10,000 people at an event. That's not public speaking. Public speaking, by definition, is really just a conversation where you have a specific outcome in mind with two or more individuals. Those conversa- conversations happen all the time. They happen with children in front of their parents, right? They happen in conference rooms across the globe. So with that being said, there are a lot of opportunities to advance yourself through public speaking, this kind of came about from a conversation Chris and I had about how he was able to advance his career when he was working at a company called Xanox. Yeah. Actually, it start, did it start earlier than that? It started earlier than that. It started when I was at Azugal, uh, when I was um, the director of sales, wanted to be a VP of sales. And I, I just want I, I would hear people speak at conferences, and I was like, I could do that. I could definitely do that. I'm smarter than that guy. And I knew that in order for me to get attention of the attention of my bosses, that it would be like a really nice add-on. So I just started volunteering to speak. I think the first time I spoke was at like a local chamber of commerce out on Long Island. And my boss was like, yeah, sure, go for it. And I drove out to Long Island. I spoke for free. And it was, it was fun because I didn't really have any ideas to what else it would be about. And I was able to explain an ad network to a bunch of business owners that were just blown away by it and never heard anything of it. Um, 
the stuff that you're alluding to with Xanox really ended up being born out of necessity. When I got that job as a vice president of sales, I needed to communicate back to headquarters in Berlin what we were doing in the United States. And email became cumbersome because when there's lots of things that are going on, it can get lost in translation, literally and figuratively, because there were different language speakers and I was speaking English and I was running the United States. So I reached out to NYU students to show up with some cool cameras and film me standing on the balcony of my office in New York saying, hey, here's my quarterly update. And they put some cool music to it. They did some B-roll footage. And then I would send that back to Berlin as my quarterly update. And this was before Skype. This was before any of that stuff. I think GoToMeeting was around, but people didn't really use it. They weren't really comfortable using the technology and it was spotty and it was unpredictable so being able to send a video file just worked better and they put it up on their website saying hey here's what we're doing in the United States and it eventually years later like five years later um, there was a link to it from my blog and when the producer and we've talked about this before but a producer googled social media guru and I had written a blog post saying that if you're a guru you're full of it because it changes so fast saw that video, was like, wow, the guy can string a sentence together, and then put me on TV that night. So, yeah, it's about being able to communicate appropriately. And I will say this. That first on-camera was so difficult. And I'm an extrovert. And I remember I remember the, the students showing up, and it was they were a couple, their boyfriend and girlfriend, and they were so nice, so laid back, and it was just the three of us standing on this balcony talking and I remember they were laughing at me they're like Chris calm down why are you so nervous and it was just something about the camera pointed at your face you just act differently you speak differently your voice all of a sudden gets higher and you're talking like this and it sounds ridiculous when there's a microphone on you and I had I remember taping notes to the tripod that they had and just saying all right I'm gonna forget everything that I want to say and I'm just gonna hit the three bullets that are on those notes and just talk and then that's when it started to click for me. I was like, oh, if I just speak to people naturally when I'm public speaking, it'll work. But that's easier said than done for some people, I think. So there's a few interesting things there that, that I pick up on. Um, number one, you think about the structure, you know, the, the traditional pyramid structure of corporate America. Most individuals working within that structure, they have a direct report. It's a manager. It's right above them. It's someone they're responsible to. Now, that individual probably knows how good you are at the day-to-day of your job because it affects them. Right? But the reality is that person is looking to advance their own career in a lot of ways sure. and, and you know, uh, explain to the person above them why they're so good at their job. So our big theme for this is, look, no one knows how good you are. You need to tell them. You know how good you are, and potentially your direct report knows how good you are. But what Chris did by, by videotaping himself and getting that out there was he was cre- creating a connection with the individuals who were decision makers a few layers above his direct report. Now, Chris could have sent an email, and today email is such an efficient way to communicate, but we all agree things get lost in that translation. If you are an individual at an organization, and you may not be in office with the decision makers in your company, you may not have FaceTime with the CEO, the CFO, whoever it is who can control your finances, an email to them is great. It's not creating a connection. There's Mm -hmm. psychology around this. Chris studied it, but seeing someone 
hearing them talk, hearing their passion. There's a certain passion that you hear when Chris speaks about what he does. That's why for my book, it's going to be really important for me to launch an audible audio book mm-hmm. so that people can hear me reading reading the book. That's why podcasts, what we're doing right now, is really important. So you can hear people's inflections in their voices. You can see people's facial expressions. I will say this, and there's a really interesting point where we talk about like people don't know how good you are until you tell them, and some people cringe at that. They're like, well, my work should speak for itself. No, wrong. The world has changed. It's different. You can have somebody that's 10 times worse than you that just is really loud about it, puts it in the right places, and they're going to get 10 promotions before you, and they're going to get a new job. It's just the reality of the way it goes. And there's something that I want Gen Xers, I'm a Gen Xer, to embrace something that was originally viewed as a negative for millennials, but to view it as a positive. Because I do think it is much more positive than I personally even initially thought. And that is a sense of entitlement. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean entitlement in the world should be given to me. I think that my generation has a low sense of entitlement, meaning we've been sort of sledgehammered into a corner so much in our lives that rarely do we say or have that moment of why not me, whereas your generation, it's different and sometimes it goes bad, a lot of times it goes (laughs) bad, where they're like, well, it should be me and are always kind of getting getting themselves in over their their heads, but I, I would love to see my generation of Gen Xers who have the chops, who have the experience to have to feel entitled to their next step in their career and in their lives by realizing just how good they are. Because you can't tell the world how good you are until you embrace just how good you are. And a lot of us get caught up in the day-to-day. They don't, they don't become introspective and say, oh, this is how far I've come. This is what I've accomplished. Myself included, you just said, I'm like, I just published two books today. I feel like I need to like celebrate. I feel like I need to go out. And I think I'm going to do that. I think like this weekend (laughs) I should take my wife out and be like, we're going to celebrate the books. And I hadn't even thought of it until you just mentioned that. I think you should read them out loud to her. As she, part of your it game. Might end yeah. up, it might end up ending in a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did I did read my first chapter of my first book to her and she was like, You need to do the audiobook and I didn't know how to do it then. I was like, Yeah, yeah, this is back in two thousand twelve. But now that uh Amazon has made made the system really easy, we're certainly gonna do that for Remarkable You coming out in a few weeks. So So yeah, we'll I do, do wanna get um a little bit granular to people who may be in different situations within their life and how they can leverage the concept of public speaking that Chris and I are talking about, which is really just articulating the value you bring to your job to the people who can control whether your salary increases, whether your responsibility increases or not. Because doing the best job you can is what you should be doing. That's the standard. Now, that may or may not actually grow your salary. I know a lot of people who are introverted and they have a hard time. um, You know, They say, look, Chris, you and John are extroverted. You have an easier time talking about this. We will touch upon that. We're going to have a whole second part to this where we talk about building your self-image, which is something we do regularly, and how introverts can do this as well. But as an individual, it's a responsibility of yours today. Chris talked about millennials having a a different sort of approach, and there's a balance there, right? I, I believe that we are all engineered for greatness. Now, you need to put the work in to achieve that greatness. Then you need to make sure the right people know that you're putting the work in to achieve that greatness. So... What I want to do is start from the beginning. All right, Chris, you're a recent college graduate. 
you are entering the workforce and you're running into roadblocks. Now, right off the bat, people are looking at your resume and mm-hmm. that's not, there's hard to form a connection with a piece of paper that has a bunch of boring stats on it, like sure. your GPA and things like that. Number two, what a lot of companies are doing, we do it, is an initial phone interview. Yep. Now, in a phone interview, it's hard to create a connection, especially because nowadays, you know, you're sitting in front of a computer while you're on the phone and you're answering email and doing five other things while you're talking to someone. So, for someone, you know, looking for a job, what, what are some key points that you think that they can leverage this, this public speaking, um, potentially video, to help themselves stand out? God, that's a good question. Um, I would think if you want to stand out and you want to get a job, the, the, the place that I start is to figure out how to solve a problem for a potential employer. And if you can get yourself on video doing that or even writing a blog post or... Um, discussing pain points of an industry publicly be tremendous. So now imagine, for example, if you work in the insurance industry and you savvy yourself an insurance expert and you understand the ins and outs of insurance and you're looking to get another job someplace else, but maybe you're not getting the calls back, I would literally volunteer at local chambers of commerce and say, I'd like to educate your members in insurance. And guess what? I'm not selling anything. I used to sell insurance for years. I'm currently in between jobs, but I have a certain skill set. I know the ins and outs of everything in the insurance agency, and I can tell you all the secrets of everything that's happening with insurance. Great. You volunteer. You spend an hour of your day speaking to the local chamber of commerce. You add tremendous value to those executives there, and you say, by the way, if you have an intern that can film it while I'm speaking, that'd be super. And you take that videotape, and then you put that on your blog. You've immediately amplified everything that you're doing within your network. You've now networked with that entire chamber of commerce leading with your expertise first, leading with your passion first. And then you've acquired the equity of the actual experience by asking somebody to videotape it. John recently spoke to students at, was it at Manhattanville? Um, no, Queens, uh, Queens University. Queens College? Or Queens, Queens College. Queens, Queens College. University. You don't even know where Something you spoke, in Queens, man. Yeah. But the, a big deal for John speaking at a college isn't just him speaking. It's the idea that you will want to record the speaking. Um, the next level of being prepared for that and being able to say, okay, now I'm really building a community is to be prepared for engaging with individuals beyond just giving them your business card and to actually lead aggregate and using something like leadpages.net. If you go to my blog, christopherdesi.com slash resources, you'll find a link to lead pages there and you can create your own lead page so that while you're speaking, you could say, hey, just text this num- text your email to this number and I'm going to give you a lead magnet. And the lead magnet could be a five-page white paper that you've created with the top 10 things that you should be looking for when hiring an insurance agent. And I would encourage you to do just that. Inform your industry on how to hire a guy or a gal like you. So back to the example. You're an insurance industry expert. If you write a blog post, the blog post should be the top five things that you need to be looking for in an insurance industry expert. You're informing them on how they should go about hiring you. And then that's potentially the topic that you're speaking about. And then you're aggregating those leads. And then you're off to the races. And I'll take it from a from a student standpoint. I was just with a, a student who graduated. He already has some experience, and he's having a hard time entering the job force. Now, this guy is great in person. We met in person, and he was explaining to me his experience. He's passionate. He he says the right things, but you can tell he backs it up, and he's not having much success with phone interviews. And you know what I explained to him was, look, take a 30-second video of yourself, 
just talking about that specific company, why you want to work for them, and what you think you'll be able to bring to the table, and send that along with your resume. If you do that, you're already getting to the next layer, right? Because in an in-person interview, that's what the interviewer is going to see, and you're skipping the phone interview part. Yes, you're still going to get on the phone, you're still going to talk to them, but you're already getting to the next level where they see you, they can see the passion you have and what you're doing, they can see how you're put together, that you stand tall, that you're confident, all of these things hopefully show up on film, and that's going to help them create a connection with you. I remember we got one video resume in the two or three years that we've been hiring at Silverback, and both of us were like, get her in, get her in here for an interview. It was great, and she took about 45 seconds doing it. She didn't have a tremendous amount of video background, but she she knows how to use an iPhone. So um, one other thing. When it comes to to these interviews and to communicating in person, when you're going to present, whether it's to an interviewer, to a room of interviewers, or to your superiors, it's easy to get off track with what you want to talk about. Now, Chris is on the news often, and this is a trick that he learned that he taught me that makes so much sense. But, Chris, why don't you explain to them really really the gist of it? Um, There was a guy. I, I wish I could give the gentleman credit right now. I forget who he is, and we can Google it after this podcast and give it to you for the next podcast um and he does youtube videos for uh media training and i googled something about media training because i I, i'm always trying to improve what i do and get better at it and he had a technique that i actually have used probably five times since i saw the video and that's if you don't know the answer to a question um but still need to answer the question and it's pretty simple, and I'm sure a lot of people have already used it, and we're not you know, reinventing the wheel here. It's just us sharing the information that works. And that's, when they ask you a question, let's say it's, I'm horrible at math, so what's, a, what's 1,235 times 342? And you pause, and you think, and you say, great question. Here's what I can tell you, and that's it. And then you talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. And it works like a charm because you're answering them, but you're not really answering the actual question. You're just telling them what you already know. And it's, you know, here's what I can tell you. Mathematics done in someone's head can be uh, very compelling, but it's not always accurate. A more accurate way of getting to that answer would be to leverage a calculator. Let me tell you a story about calculators. And now all of a sudden you've diverged the conversation. And on television, it's much easier to do, obviously, because... Um, usually we're not in a contentious, contentious interview scenario, but it does work when you're public speaking uh, and somebody's asking you a question in the audience and you don't want to look foolish in front of people. And it also uh, does alleviate any sort of anxiety because even if you know everything that you're talking about, there's always anxiety like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to peg me on something while I'm on stage and try and be cute with, uh, with questions. And it's happened to me a few times and I've just turned it into a joke and we've laughed and whatever. Um, but just saying, here's what I can tell you, um, will absolutely work and will absolutely pivot the entire conversation. Excellent. And and one more thing to talk about what Chris um, was talking about earlier, you know, volunteering is the way to go. If you're going to be speaking in front of a crowd, volunteer. Okay. In addition to your local chamber of commerce, I find we've had some success volunteering with nonprofit organizations. Volunteer everywhere. It is hard to get paid to speak because there are so many people that realize, here's the thing, if you're looking to monetize your speaking, forget about getting paid to speak, right? For me, it happens, uh, but I've also been speaking for almost 10 years, and I'm still learning, and I'm still getting better at it, and it doesn't happen all the time. 
what I what I'd encourage you to think about is the audience and the value that you bring to that audience. Because if there are thirty people in the room that think you are the smartest person on the subject that you're talking about, that's thirty new potential pieces of business that you just scaled. You just got them in a room for an hour, and it takes months to get individual sales meetings for 30 different people to sit in front of them for an hour. So that's really the paradigm shift is if you're speaking, great. If they pay for your travel, better. If they give you a small stipend, phenomenal. If they give you a big stipend, you just hit a home run. Now, taking it another level deeper, you are currently in an organization. You want to grow up that corporate ladder. How do you do it? And what we've seen success with both in our own careers and just with some of the people that we're able to work with is, number one, do your research. Where can you provide value? What are you seeing on your day-to-day that your superiors up the chain might not be seeing that can affect the company's bottom line? Where is there value there? I have a friend who works at a company where he manages a team on the client support side of things. And Recently, two out of the seven team members were given the opportunity to upsell once they get on the phone. And that upselling was leading to some significant revenue. So he scheduled a meeting with his superiors that said, look, I know we have two out of seven doing this right now, but if we do seven out of seven who have this ability to upsell, we're talking about creating some nice margins for our company's bottom line. Now, the higher ups may not have seen that right away. Maybe at the quarterly or annual meetings, those numbers would have come through, but He said, look, I'm seeing this now. Why waste the time to wait to the end of the quarter? Schedule a meeting, have the data to back it up, and get in there and and public speak your way to gaining more responsibility in the revenue-generating part of your company. Do you think it's such a good point? I I feel like uh, a huge problem in America probably is people doing their job. (laughs) <laughs> like just doing the job sure. and not be you you had a discussion earlier and I forget how you worded it you worded it really well you're like they're like back up you can't be back on your heels accepting feedback yeah, you, you can't gotta, be reactive you, you can't be, be reactive you have to be proactive and you have to be 10 steps ahead of your boss 10 steps ahead of your client and if you're reactive then you get into self-defense mode and when you're in self-defense mode nothing's fun nothing's fun you're you're just defending your actions you're trying to explain every move away um, and that's a recipe to get clipped. Well, it's a funny thing that happens because I've seen it from both perspectives now. When I was an employee, I would do this, where I would schedule a meeting with my boss, and I would say, hey, here's something that I'm seeing. I think there's an opportunity here for us, and I would explain mm-hmm. my case, and it would be thoroughly thought out, and she's coming back to me a lot of times with, John, that's a great idea, and here's X, Y, Z, corporate hierarchy, why we well, can't, can't do, do that. Yeah. But what it did was... She knew that I was looking for more, thinking about it. that I was proactive, that I was thinking of things. And when things did then arise, I was the person that she would come to for anything so in that scenario. I have a question for you. Um, what made you do that? Like, it, why was that just your innate, like, I'm ambitious and I want to move up the ladder and you just felt, or you just felt like it was part of your job, job description or because you saw mom and dad in action when you were working with them in marketing and you understood how they conducted themselves? Because not everybody does that. People just don't do that naturally. Sure. I think it was a few things. Um, It's always the dream and the fear, right? In my mind, I always wanted to make more revenue. I knew more responsibility would equal more revenue. I was in a position where there were eight people who did my job in the company, and I know we were competing for that income bracket. And number two was the nightmare. I never wanted to be on my boss's bad side. And I knew that when her and I had FaceTime together, 
good things would happen from it. We weren't in, we didn't work in the same office. We didn't see each other all the time. So when we could get together, I wanted to say, look, by the way, here's something I'm seeing. Was wondering your opinions on it. Just just letting her know again that I'm being proactive. I never wanted to be on the other end of an email or a phone call where my boss is saying, "Hey, John, look, I just noticed all this. Why didn't you?" Tell me about it. And not whether it was good or bad. Or at least that when that, if that, God forbid that happened, that you had actually thought about that scenario. And you're like, oh, by the way, I did some research on that. I didn't get a chance to meet with you in person, but here's. Or if someone else brought it up before I did, right? And then you're like, oh, man, I I was thinking about that also. So, you know, you have to understand our podcast is definitively for that person who is looking to grow their career, who is ambitious, who wants more responsibility. That's who we're talking to, that's who we are. And if you're comfortable with what you're doing right now, then, you know, keep doing it. When you're ready to get to the next level, then start applying some of the things that we're talking about. And um, with regards to public speaking, I put together a quick 10-point checklist. Many of the things that I put together, Chris, you or I do, but anytime I'm going into a situation, whether it's a meeting with my bosses, two people. We should, we should, we should say, by the way, uh, a plug. John's going to go through his 10-point checklist. He's also written this as a post on LinkedIn. And if you're listening to the podcast and you want to see more content like this from John, you should find him on LinkedIn and follow him or try and link up with him and you'll be able to see all of his content. That's it. Go ahead. Cool. So we'll knock through this um, pretty quickly, but whether you're doing a sales meeting, whether you're pitching business or speaking at an event in front of a crowd, no matter how big the crowd is, or in a room just trying to explain to your superiors why you need more responsibility, these are some of the things that I think through. Number one, Know your audience. Yeah. Who are you presenting to? Why are they in the room? And what do they think is valuable? I gave a presentation similar to this to a bunch of students at Queens College. Right. And I knew that those students just wanted a few tidbits that they could take to potentially help them in their career down the road. Yeah. That's what I knew coming into Tactical it. Tactical stuff. And do knowing your audience made it. I didn't bore them with my background and all these right. different things. I had a specific goal in mind. It's how can I help you guys get a job out of school? Yep. And that's what I talked about. So know who your audience is. Number two, come in with a goal set. Now, based on who you're talking to, that should be the goal that you're setting. I want my boss to understand better what I'm doing. Right. I want to close this deal. I want to educate this student, these rooms. Chris, when you keynote an event, a lot of times you have a goal in mind. Is it to educate? Is it to close business? What is it? I'm everything that we're about, I feel it's educate and empower, yeah. and then the business comes afterward. But knowing the audience, I like to actually pull examples of people that I know will be sitting in the audience so that I can floor them. I, I keynoted an event for Constellation Energy in front of 350 of their, of their executives down in Orlando, Florida. And I pulled three executives that I knew were going to be in the audience. And I grabbed screen grabs of their LinkedIn profiles. And I sung their praises in front of their bosses. The guys, they almost fell out of their chairs. But I just pointed them out as positive examples and thanked them for being proactive within social media. Um and that was a blast. And it brought value and it brought attention and it brought it brought a little sizzle to the presentation too. People got excited about it. Next, be authentic. This is one that Chris does very well. Um, it's, so, it's fun, right? It allows you to be more comfortable up there if you're talking about yourself, if you're being normal. When the camera comes on, everyone gets nervous. But the more authentic you can be, the more those nerves will go away. I know I've seen Chris present where he talks about being fired. Well, guess what? A lot of the people in the audience resonate with that. They appreciate his ability to stand in front of a room and be vulnerable, and that creates those relationships. It's those relationships that I keep talking about that will allow you to grow as a professional because if you create a relationship 
with the decision makers either at another company, at your own company, at a hiring company, then they're going to want to work with you more mm-hmm. and work with you on a more long-term basis. So be authentic. Um, another one, going into anything, who's inspiring you? Where are you learning from? People believe in people who believe in other people. I always think back to that. So when I'm talking to a crowd, there are examples from people I've learned from. It's Chris. It's my yeah. parents. It's other individuals out there. I think it's really important, though, you're talking about um, being authentic and giving examples is to not um, be a hack, right? You, you're not being a hack if you're giving examples and talking about people that motivate you. My, in Remarkable You, I talk about James Altucher. I talk about mm-hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk. I talk about people that I read and that I admire and that inspire me and that, you know, that, that change the way I think and change the way I approach life and my career. And it's okay to do that. It's okay to do that in your presentation. It doesn't all just have to, you know, spew from between your ears and be the most original thoughts ever. And I think people freak out about that too. Yep. Like they don't want to have a plagiarized slide and I'm not certainly not asking you to do that. But if you talk about something that somebody does that has inspired your way of thinking, be transparent about it. Be like this person inspired the way my, my way of thinking and here's why. Yeah, if you know, for me, having seven, eight years of professional experience, it's a disservice to the people I'm speaking to if I don't talk about all the people right, who have helped right, me learn right. to get to where I am today. Um, outline your presentation. This one's simple. I like to outline what I'm going to talk about in advance. You don't need to have every detail in there, but I find when speaking, the most difficult part for me is transitioning. Yeah. Transitioning from the opening to the meat and potatoes to the close. So I outlined that in advance. I don't know, man. Helps in Vegas, me. a catalyst week, you nailed it. Well, I outlined it. So yeah. you know, right. that's part of the reason. Another one, add facts. It's great to talk about your experience. It's great to be authentic. But at the end of the day, some people want to see nuts and bolts statistics to back up what you're talking about. Did you know that 75% of statistics are made up? What? There's a fact that, right there. That, I just made that up. Blue that, a lot. That, Is that a Snapple that, fact? I just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> Get it? Um, that's that joke. But that's, yeah. <laughs> Add it to the list. But uh, facts and examples. You're more confident when you have them behind you, and they're important to add in. Another one, look for feedback. Before I present, I send my outline to different people to get feedback. I had Chris do it with my Catalyst presentation. He was able to provide me some feedback. I have a friend who is an English teacher. He can help me with grammar and language. I want to make sure I'm using the right words, right? That Mm. feedback is important to me. This one, we all do it. Practice, right? Practice in advance. Say it out loud. I'll be honest with you. I'm really bad at practicing. Uh, And So maybe there's like a get-out-of-jail-free card for people that don't practice. For me personally... I find that I have enough stories, anecdotes, case studies, and experiences that if I pinpoint ideas and the sequence is really important, like that transition is definitely important because like if you find yourself locked in transition, you run into trouble in terms of pacing. But a definitive appropriate pregnant pause while you're speaking works really well Mm -hmm. you're really good at it like you you you're a natural because you're comfortable on stage but i i think not necessarily rehearsing isn't such a bad thing that some people can work that way um and i know that also based on some of the content that i speak about and i'm thinking about catalyst week specifically when i talked about like my dad and i knew that it was going to be raw i knew that i was going to end up getting choked up on stage that sometimes you can't go through it because sometimes you're almost ripping away what you know is going to be authentic on stage. Um, 
so it's not maybe maybe the idea is yes practice but don't always be you know you don't have to too be beholden yeah. yeah don't be too rehearsed and you don't have to be beholden to oh i have to practice in front of my colleagues practicing could be just standing in your living room looking at your cue cards and, yeah. and not even saying it out loud but just like running it running through it in your head so that you're used to looking around the room and maybe you have pictures in your head that pop up um, and, and that might help too. You're doing it. You're leading right into the next one, which is visualize. Visualize yourself Shabam. on stage. Visualize yourself going through the presentation. I take it another level. People think I'm weird. I think it's what people have been doing for centuries, but visualize the crowd applauding. Oh, yeah, man. Visualize your boss saying, you know what? That's a really good idea, and we're going to get back to you on that. Visualize oh, yeah. the interviewer saying, look, here's the next step is we're going to give you a written assignment, but we really enjoyed what we heard here today. Mm-hmm. Visualize all those things and help yourself along the way to the presentation. Last one. This is a big one. Stick to your routine, right? You, I know that I have. if I'm speaking later in the day, I have a little pit in my stomach earlier that, that knows something's pending. Now, what I try to do to minimize that is what I do every other day. Mm-hmm. Go through my daily routine. What do I do before yeah, I get to work? Don't change a thing. Don't change don't it up. Change the thing. That's not the time to, to go all cowboy and say, you know, today I'm not going to eat breakfast and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go through your normal routine. It makes you feel more comfortable. Normalcy will keep you calm. And then when you get to the point of the presentation, you'll have done enough where you're just ready to rock it. So public speaking... You know, it's not always what you think it is. I'll give a breathing technique, yeah. too, the Navy SEAL breathing technique. I watched a documentary on the SEALs a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty interesting. I forget. I wish I remembered the name of it. They talk about the origin of the SEALs. Is uh, breathe in as deep as you can. Hold your breath. It's breathe in for a count of eight. Hold it for a count of eight. And then exhale for a count of eight. And it'll immediately lower your heart rate. Do that right before you get on stage. It works. There you it's go. It's kind of like magic. And Google Seal documentary. Maybe they'll find the one Chris watched yeah, and we can talk about it. But uh, but se- the you know what? Documentary mention. Oh, you've you've had a lot lately. Yeah, they're good. Send us uh, send us any cool stories of you public speaking. Anything or video. that you've done or send video. Us video. We love video. We'll post it. And um, these are things that really help advance your career. Because again, we'll come back to the beginning. But no one knows how good you are unless you tell them. Yeah. And Public speaking is a way to tell them it's not always in front of a crowd. It can be in a comfortable room with people who are decision makers in your career. And then here's the plug for the book. Remarkable You, Build a Personal Brand, Take Charge of Your Career is only $5.99 for the ebook and $9.99 for the actual paperback. But if money's tight, go to my blog, chrisdesi.com, and give me your email, and I will send you the first chapter for free. Excellent. So we'll be back in a couple days with part two of this, which is, look, I know I need to public speak now. That's terrifying. I don't even want to speak to two people. What can I do? And and our answer is you're going to grow your self-image, and that's going to make you more comfortable speaking. So we'll cover that in depth on the next podcast. It's good to be back. It's good to have Chris launching two new books. We'll see if he does that again in a couple days. I don't think so, but we will have some sales back to report. (laughs) And you can find us, as always, www.chrisdesi.com, www.johnzanzarella.com. This has been the Remarkable You Podcast. See ya.